That's a clown question, bro. Hey, what's up on you? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome back to the show to be named later, part two of episode 43. I am your host, Christiana. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. We are talking about the 2008 World Series champion, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, That's right. What kind of direction were those Phillies uh, going in? Yeah, so in 2007, the Phillies won the NL East, and it was their first playoff experience since 1993 when they went to the playoffs and lost to those Blue Jays that we did an episode on. And they actually got swept in the division series by the Rockies. And, you know, this they, they were not supposed to win the NL East this year. They were down seven games to the Mets with 17 games left, and the Mets quite simply choked as the Phillies surged. So a lot of people were, you know, saying, well, is this team for real, or was that, was that month of September a fluke? And, you know, they had a lot of, they had a lot of doubt as a prove wrong. They also lost Aaron Rowan that offseason, uh, who was third on the team in B-War the previous year. And also, they traded for closer Brad Lidge, of course. And little fun fact about the Brad Lidge trade, when it happened, the Astros GM was former Phillies GM Ed Wade. And there was suspicion that Wade made the deal because of his Philly roots, which obviously is not true. Like, of course, you're not going to do that. But uh, the only other offer on the table for Brad Lidge at that time was from the Indians for Cliff Lee. So if the Phillies did not get Lidge and he went to the Indians, they obviously don't get Brad Lidge and they probably don't get Cliff Lee either. So that trade worked out in multiple different ways for them. They also signed Pedro Feliz to be their starting third baseman. And, you know, coming into spring training, there was a lot of question marks around this team. You know, as I just mentioned, can they – can they repeat 2007? Can they take that extra step? And uh, the reigning National League MVP starting shortstop, Jimmy Rollins, came out and predicted a 100-win season. Like, he did an interview in spring training where he was like, yeah, we're going to win 100 games and win the World Series. It's going to happen. So big-time expectations coming from J-Roll, the reigning MVP. So this prediction of 100 wins in a season started out a bit shaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weird way to start a year. Here's here's a uh, basically it was very a run, symmetrical. A rundown of uh, what? How many games? How many games is this stretch? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. This is their first twenty games, uh, mm-hmm. just by wins and losses. It's very loss, symmetrical. Loss. So it starts loss, loss, win, win. Loss, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, win. Interesting way to start a season. Uh, definitely confused the fan base for sure. And uh, the Phillies ended up finishing 15 and 13 in April. And it was the first time, actually the first time they had finished uh, 500 or above since, uh, since 2003. First time they finished uh, 500 in that first month since 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, they at the end of April they were third place in the division. Uh, they were h- half a game out of first base, out of first place, not first base. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Phillies as a team in April had 
41 home runs uh, during that first month, during that first month. And that led the majors and Chase Utley was ultimate, was very spectacular. He was a very big part of those 41 team home runs uh, through April 30 or on April 30. He led the league in, he led the, he led major league baseball in home runs with 11. Uh, no one else had more than eight. Chase Utley had 11. He led the league in slugging with 766, OPS with 1195, ISO with 405, weighted runs above average with uh, 17.2, WOBA with 491, weighted runs created plus with 202, and wins above replacement with 2.6. He led the majors in all of those categories. That's right. So when May began, the Phillies started basically one of the best team-wide offensive stretches I've ever seen. So on May 2nd, the Giants were in town, and old friend Aaron Rowand hit a go-ahead home run in the top of the 10th to make it 5-4 San Francisco. And in the bottom of the ninth, Pat Burrell of the Phillies came up with two outs, one on, and sent the Philly fans home happy. That on the call right there is Ford Frick Award winner, Harry Callis. And you're going to be hearing plenty of his amazing voice throughout this video, and we're very excited for that. So, I mean, the Phillies with a great win there. And then two days later, the Phillies actually hit another walk-off, which was manager Charlie Manuel's 500th career win. Pretty impressive. And then on May 16th, Jason Wirth had a big game for him in a resurging season. drive into deep right field and this ball's out of here three run home run jason worth and just like that kate esposito of levittown winning a hundred dollars courtesy the mcdonald's home run jackpot as the phillies jump to a three nothing lead here in the second it's just another example of how strong jason worth is Charlie Manuel talks about him all the time that if he ever figures it out, he could be a big time home run hitter in the major leagues. Fastball, kept his head down. Look at this, it's a good swing at this. Boy, right there, this should be a fastball. Long drive, is it a salami? Yes, way out of here. Grand slam home run, Jason Worth. Who now has knocked in seven runs and the Phillies are pounding the Toronto Blue Jays here. It is eight nothing Phil. Not a bad night for Mr. Worth. Fans are wanting Worth to take a curtain call here on his seven RBI evening. And Once by Mike Schmidt. 2-1, hit in the air, detoured left center field. Worth looks up, that one is gone! Jason Worth has tied the record for RBIs in a ball game for a Philadelphia Philly. Not only that, it's his third home run of the night. And the Phillies lead it 9-2. Have a night, Jason Worth.
This is the third home run, and he was right on it. Oh, he just muscled that ball out looking at that fastball. So as it was mentioned, Jason Worth tied the Phillies' single-game RBI record with eight. That still stands. It's he and Mike Schmidt uh, on top of that. So then from May 5th to June 16th, the Phillies had a ridiculous offensive run for the ages. They went 24-16 and 16 during the streak with a plus-73 run differential. They scored double-digit runs seven times. They also scored 20 twice. They're one of five NL teams of all time to have, 20, had to have multiple 20-run games in a single season. And they led the NL in runs scored with, with 239, home runs with 55, RBI with 229, OBP with a 356 team OBP, slugging with a 469, OPS with an 825, Weighted runs created plus with a 230. The next, but the next best was 204. Weighted runs above average with 37.8. The next best was 20.6. Woba with a 357. Weighted runs created plus with 113. And wins above replacement with 11.6. The next best in the majors was 8.6. So, I mean, absolutely ridiculous torrid pace this offense is on. But uh, they had a very bad follow-up over the next week and a half. From June 17th until the end of the month, the Phillies went 2-9. and nine. They slashed 191, 273, 309, 581 during that stretch. And they were by far the worst in the majors at all four of those categories. They also had 51 weighted runs created plus. And obviously with the offense being bad, the pitching was a bit of a problem too. One guy in particular was Brett Myers, the closer from last year, who had gone back to being a starter after the Lidge trade, and he had a 5.84 ERA, and his negative point four, his point, eh, sorry, his negative point four F4 was second to last in the majors, and also his 20.3 home run for fly ball rate was the worst in the majors. So he got sent down to the minor leagues. So a very unfortunate stretch, uh, after an unbelievable stretch from this Phillies mm -hmm. team, kind of set them even. But they picked up the pace, uh, ultimately. Uh, and on July 3rd, 40-year-old Tom Gordon, uh, former Red Sox, and uh, father of D. Gordon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 40-year-old Tom Gordon recorded a one-pitch save against the Atlanta Braves. And it was his last of 158 career saves. Uh, oh, that was Phillies, cool. The Phillies were... 52-44 and 44 at the All-Star break, and they were half a game ahead of the Mets for first place in the division uh, at the All-Star break. Brad Lidge and Chase Utley represented the Philadelphia Phillies uh, at the All-Star game, the legendary uh, last, last All-Star game at Yankee yep. Stadium uh, in their last season. And I do remember, it is funny, maybe this is a connection, but uh, I remember... They were doing like a, like, I think it was like their version of like the all-time teams, and they had a bunch of Hall of Famers. And mm -hmm. I remember they streamed it um, on like Twitter. They streamed the whole All-Star game, like Twitter, YouTube. Yeah. And Fergie Jenkins was one of the people. Uh, of course. Was one of the people uh, recognized at the game. So there's there a little much for you there. And uh, speaking, but back to the Philadelphia Phillies. Chase Utley's 25 home runs in the first half is the most by a second baseman 
ever in the first half of any season. That's right. Most, his 25 homers are the most by a second baseman ever in the first half. And at the trade deadline, uh, after the All-Star break, uh, the Phillies got starting pitcher Joe Blanton and outfielder slash pinch hitter Matt Stairs um, at, this, at this trade deadline. And in Joe Blanton's Phillies debut, uh, they faced the Mets at Shea Stadium. Uh, and they were also facing a multiple-time Cy, multiple Cy Young Award winner, Johan Santana. Mm-hmm. The Mets were winning 5-2 to two in the ninth inning, but the Phillies scored six runs in the ninth, mostly on doubles by So Taguchi and Jimmy Rollins. And the Phillies won that game 8-6, to six, kind of setting the tone for what was going to be happening in the National League East in 2008. That's right. So now it's time for them to finish it off. On, on August 24th, the Phillies faced the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball. And the Dodgers were winning 2-1 to one in the ninth, with Pedro Feliz coming up with a man on second down to their last out. Well, he's sitting dead red. Fastball, base hit. That's going to tie it. Victorino speeds home, and Feliz has delivered the big hit. I still would have rather have attacked Tracy instead of pitching to the right-handed Feliz because, as you said, and we both know, this guy is a good fastball hitter. So Pedro Feliz ties the game in the ninth. And later in the 11th, Feliz come, came back up with two runners on, trying to win the game for Philadelphia. The possible winning run at third base. Everybody's standing here in Philadelphia. That ball is hammered! Deep left center field, and adios! So Pedro Feliz plays the hero in that one on a great Sunday night game. And then two days later, the Phillies were losing 7 to nothing at home to the Mets, and they chipped away and came back for a remarkable win in extras. And this game was highlighted by backup catcher Chris Cost. Hard ground base in left field. The Phillies with two men on base. And one out here in the eighth, getting his coast delivers a pinch single. Line drive, it is a fair ball down the left field line, going to the corner of coast, a leadoff double here in the 10th inning. Oh, that was just fair. Round ball third base right, they'll not be able to throw the ball. You mentioned about right hurting his hand. He had no chance on that one to throw anybody out. Swing and a line drive towards straightaway center field. That's going to win it for the Phils. What a comeback. Down seven to nothing. The Phillies needed 13 innings and four hits 
off the bench for Chris Coast to win this one eight to seven. Say hello to first place in the National League East once again for the Philadelphia Phillies. So another resilient game from the Phillies there just two days after that last one. And Chris Coast with four hits off the bench. Pretty incredible. So now on September 1st, the Mets led the Phillies by one game in the division. It all came down to whatever happened that month. And well, the Phillies went 17 and 8. The Mets went 13 and 12. By that default, the Phillies won the NL East. And that happened on September 27th, the second to last day of the season. Ground ball up the middle. Great play. Rollins ugly. The Philadelphia Phillies are the National League Division champions of the East for the second straight year on a brilliant play by Jimmy Rollins. So there it is. The Phillies win the NL East. They finish the regular season at 92 and 70. So now I'd like to talk about a few of my favorite performers on this team. Ryan Howard, three straight 40-plus home run seasons. That was the first time in Phillies history that that happened. He had 48 home runs and 146 RBI that season. He also played all 162 games. And like I just mentioned, the, one, the 48 homers, the 106, 146 RBIs, both of those led the majors. He also had an 881 OPS, 120 weighted runs created plus, and finished second in the NL MVP vote. Chase Utley, uh, this was his fourth consecutive season with a 900-plus OPS. It is the third time in baseball history that a second baseman did that for four straight years. The other two were Jackie Robinson and Charlie Geringer. He also led all second basemen in home runs with 33, RBI with 104, OBP with 380, slugging with a 535, OPS with a 915, weighted runs above average with 35.1, Woba with a 389, weighted runs created plus with a 134, F4 with 8.2, and he ended up finishing 14th in the MVP vote. How about Jamie Moyer, a starting pitcher on this team, who was 45 years old. It is the only qualifying age 45 or over season in Philly's history per fan graphs. He had a 371 ERA with 196 and a third innings pitched. Brad Lidge, the guy they got before the season in a deal, 41 for 41 in save opportunities. He was perfect. A 195 ERA, 69 and a third innings pitched. He finished fourth in the NL Cy Young voting and eighth in the MVP vote. Cole Hamels, 24-year-old ace starting pitcher, 14 and 10, 309 ERA, 196 Ks, and 227 in the third innings pitched. His 108 whip led the NL. Shane Victorino, they're uh, an outfielder for them. 4.3 Fangraphs war was 14th among all outfielders. Also, Pat Burrell had 33 home runs. And the Phillies bullpen as a whole had a 3.22 ERA, which led the NL. So now the Phillies are going to the playoffs, and they got the Milwaukee Brewers in the National League Division Series. So game one, Cole Hamels goes eight in the third innings pitched, 
two hits, zero runs, one walk, nine strikeouts for a game score of 86. That is the best postseason game score in Philly's history. And at the time, it was tied for the best game score of Hamill's career. Udley hit a two-run double. Shane Victorino had an RBI walk. And the Phillies won that game 3-1. to one. So now it's game two. The starting pitcher for the Brewers was CeCe Sabathia, who was undisputably the best pitcher in all of baseball after getting traded to Milwaukee a couple months ago. The Phillies starting pitcher for that game? How about Brett Myers? Remember him? That guy that got sent down to the minors? Yeah, he came back up and crushed it. He had a 3.06 ERA over his last 13 starts. Talk about making a comeback. The game was tied 1-1 to in the second inning, and Myers came up with two outs against Sabathia. Oh, a heater right here and uh, see if Brett can. That's my guess. Catch up. That was against Jeff Supon, part of that four game. Other part of the slider. Well, Myers makes contact. Runner at third for the Phillies. Nope. Went back to the slider. Myers didn't chase. Phillies tied up here in the second. And Myers breaks his bat, fouls it away. This is the seventh pitch of the at bat. Full count. The 3 2. Was another one off. <laughs> he walked him. How about that at bat from Brett Myers? He walked only four times all year and draws a huge walk here. That turns the lineup over. So, how about that at bat there from Myers? I believe that was 10 pitches, Chris. Um, it was uh, it was way too many pitches for her. Yeah. Guy, a guy facing Brett Myers. Yeah, I mean, if you're CC, that's that you got to get that one out with two outs, especially. So now, yeah. two batters later, the bases are loaded, and Shane Victorino steps up. And a drive in the left field that is well hit. Ryan Braun looks up. Grand slam home run for Victorino. The flying Hawaiian with the dagger. And that wouldn't have happened without that Myers at bat. So Myers with that at bat also goes seven innings, allowing two runs. The Phillies won that game five to two. So now in game three in Milwaukee, the Phillies offense goes silent against Dave Bush and company. And the Phillies went one for 12 with runners in scoring position. That's not going to win you many games and it didn't win them this one. The Brewers took that game four to one. So now in game four, Jimmy Rollins is leading off the game, and he wastes no time getting the fills on the board. Empire here this afternoon. And Rollins drills one deep right field. That one is well hit, and that one is gone. Jimmy Rollins quiets the thundersticks immediately. Lead off home run for Jimmy Rollins, and it's the Phillies who strike first. I think now Jeff Supon wishes that had been ball four instead of a check swing strike on the three and one count. He 
mentioned he's got to get the ball down John and he did not do that. That was a belt high pitch and Rollins as we have been talking about likes to crowd the plate once the pitch is inside. So, so Jimmy Rollins gets the Phillies up on the board real quick and two innings later Pat Burrell came up looking to put the nail in the coffin for Milwaukee. Two and two Kendall setting up inside and Burrell launches one deep left field and Pat Burrell a three run home run Chupon trying to pound one inside pays for it. Four to nothing Philadelphia as Pat Burrell launches one into deep left field. Well they chose the other option Joe they chose to go inside instead of feeding off that pitch that was a great pitch away. Get him reaching for something and go up and in but it's right down the middle. It's not the pitch you want. And they also took the option of pitching around Ryan Howard to get to a guy who's been wearing out Jeff Supon and he comes through again. So that would be the nail in the coffin, like I mentioned, for Milwaukee. Uh, and in the ninth, it was up to Brad Lidge for a pretty simple save situation. As you said, they, if they win this game, they've got their rotation right the way they want it. This could be it. Jimmy Rollins takes care of Kendall, and the Philadelphia Phillies are heading to the National League Championship Series. A date with the Dodgers is next as Brad Lidge closes the door on the Brewers and the Phillies win three out of four against Milwaukee. So that would be it for the Milwaukee Brewers. The Phillies are moving on to the NLCS. And the key performers in this series for the Phillies, first of all, we got to talk about Shane Victorino, of course, the guy who hit the grand slam. His slash line for that series, 357, 471, 786 for a 1256 OPS. Also, Jason Wirth. 313, 313, 813 for an 1125 OPS. Pat Burrell, 250, 357, 750, 1107. Lastly, Jimmy Rollins, 375, 412, 688, 1099. That's almost four guys they had in the 1100 OPS mark. And the Phillies as a team had a 231 ERA for that series. So that leads into the National League championship series where they are facing the Los Angeles Dodgers, a, uh, a club that hadn't had, hadn't had a lot of uh, recent playoff experience, um, but they were in the National League championship series this year. And in game one, in the bottom of the sixth inning, in the bottom of the sixth inning, the Dodgers were up two to nothing and nobody, absolutely nobody on the Phillies could get a hit off of Derek Lowe. And fortunately for the Phillies, Shane Victorino reached on. That would ultimately be the chase up. Zethier at the wall. This game is tied. So Chase Utley ties the game 
for the Phillies. Uh, that that error uh, by the Dodgers plays in the uh, plays in the Phillies' favor there, and allows them to tie the game. And two batters later, it was Pat Burrell's turn to do some damage on the Dodgers. Here he is, two batters later. Ripped in the left. Phillies on top. that after Derek after Derek Lowe and uh, taking the lead in that in their ace Cole Hamels Cole Hamels pitched seven innings and he got victory there so that leads to team two of the National League Championship Series uh, where it is a very unique game in Billy's history yes uh, a very much a much remembered game uh, in Philly's history for unique reasons not because of something you know absurd by a single player happening I guess you could say this is absurd by a pitcher's standard but Brett Myers the pitcher had an unbelievable offensive the game of his life now it's the pitcher Brett Myers he gets a base hit into center field here comes Ruiz. Phillies lead it to the one. Myers goes after the first pitch and gets it past Loney. Two runs are going to score, and Brett Myers has done it again with his bat. It's 6-2. He doesn't know how he's doing it. He's just doing it. Goes after the first pitch here. And he's got another hit. Three for three. Two to right field. And now one down the third baseline. Hits himself in the head with his bat. And then adjusts his cap on the way to first. He's not used to being on base this much. <laughs> That's how he's doing it. Close your eyes and hack. So a very, very cool game. Uh, for Brett Myers in Game 2 of the National League Championship Series, became the first pitcher, 3-3 RBI, in a postseason game since Dutch Ruther in 1919. That's the dead ball era. So yeah. Myers became the first, first guy to do it in the live ball era. And he's the only uh, guy to do it Brett in the live ball era. Myers, and he might, might forever be the only guy to do it in the live ball era. I, I mean, oh yeah, for sure. This, I mean, we're, we're closing the book on a chapter uh, in yeah. baseball history. And Brett Myers also got the victory in game two. And the Phillies won that game eight to five, uh, giving them a two to nothing series advantage. And in game three, they're going to Los Angeles. But unfortunately, uh, not, not a great game for the Phillies, mostly because of uh, Jair, Jamie Moyer's um, uh, bad performance, not his best performance. 
He ended up allowing six earned runs over one and a third innings. And the real action, you know, this wasn't really, uh, you know, not a memorable game for the Phillies in terms of, you know, why they lost the game. But the real action was happening in the third inning of game three of this 2008 uh, championship series. And there's one warning behind the back of Victorino, who didn't like it because it was up around his head. Victorino said, throw up my ribs, that's fine. Throw up my head, that's not fine. So a warning has been issued. Issued. Don't throw up my head. That's what he's telling Russell Martin. Throw up my ribs, that's fine. Not my head. So he knew it was coming. Something was coming. And he said, okay, we'll take it. Yep. But not up here. Yep, that's right. He stated his case. Yep. And he continues to, to Corona. We got action at Dodger Stadium. The benches now come out. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on now. The bench is empty. Nothing's going on yet. But Manny Ramirez is in the front of the pack. And that's obviously the last thing the Dodgers need is for Ramirez to get mixed up in something. And either A, get kicked out, B, get injured, or C, have some suspension. I was thinking the same thing. Dodger players taking their meal ticket to the dugout. See, Victorino say, just not in my head. Hit me in the ribs, not in the head. So some, some heated back and forth between the Dodgers and the Phillies in game three of that game. You know, a rather uneventful game uh, for what was done between the foul lines. But, you know, with, you know when you're talking about a, a ball coming at Shane Victorino's head, you're going to remember that game. The Phillies ended up losing that game to the Dodgers, 7-2, to and the Dodgers uh, ended up winning their first game of the series. They were now down 2-1. to one. And in game four, the Dodgers were winning once again. Uh, this time they were winning by the score of 5-3 to three in the eighth inning. However, in, uh, you know, the, the, the saying, you know, karma is going to come back around. And Shane Victorino had that in mind with Ryan Howard on first base, on first base down five to three. That's driven down into the right field corner. This ball is gone for a game tying two run home run. Shane Victorino is tied it at five. Shane Victorino comes up in the clutch once again. This time he gets some more, uh, some more personal, uh, gets gets his personal vendetta out of the way there. But you could argue that this home run, despite tying the game, 
you could argue that this would not be the most memorable of the night in that not same. Even, not even close. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't really remember the, the Victorino home run, but later in that inning, this Matt, is a legendary Stairs, moment. Matt Stairs comes up to pinch hit with a man on first and two out to face the Dodgers closer, Jonathan Broxton. Stairs rips one into the night, deep into right, way out of here. And Philadelphia gets a pinch hit, two-run shot. And the Phillies lead 7-5 to five in the eighth. to this team by Pat Gillick from the Toronto Blue Jays and he hits the first home run off Broxton just a an absolute mammoth majestic it's yeah I mean that that's what a majestic home run looks like what (laughs) what Matt Stairs did uh in the eighth inning game for the 2008 NLCS and the uh the Phillies ended up winning that game uh, after Brad Lidge recorded a four-out save. They won that game by the score of 7-5, to five, and they were one win away from going to their first World Series in 15 years. And uh, in Game 5, the, uh, the Phillies were not pulling off the gas pedal at all, and Jimmy Rollins is about to show you exactly how. And Rollins shoots one into deep right center. What a start for the Phillies. One to nothing as they strike first here in game five. What a good at bat by Jimmy Rollins. Fighting off the tough pitches and he finally got a high fastball. When the Phillies clinched against Milwaukee, Rollins led off that game with a home run. Rollins leads it off the game with a home run, making it one to nothing Phillies real quick. And that was, that kind of set the tone for the Phillies and the Phillies later went up five to nothing on RBIs from Ryan Howard and Pat Burrell, as well as two runs on errors from the Dodgers. And after Cole Hamels finished or pitched seven innings of one run ball, it was it was Brad Lidge's turn, you know, a guy who the Phillies took a chance on and it paid off. He went 41 for 41 in save opportunities, and he's here to send the Phillies to the World Series. A 3-2 pitch, swing and a pop-up. This game is going to be over. Carlos Ruiz squeezes it, and the Phillies are the National League champions. The Phils move on to the World Series. Brad Lidge fittingly gets the final out as the Phillies have won it by a score of 5-1. to one. So The Phillies are headed to their first World Series in 15 years, trying to right the wrongs of their uh, 1993 World Series and, uh, and their 1983 World Series. They'd lost uh, two World Series in a row. They were mm-hmm. looking to break that streak and in the NLCS uh, Cole Hamels won NLCS MVP he went 2-0 in his two starts had a 1-9-3 ERA and 13 strikeouts in 14 innings pitched Uh, Brad Lidge Ryan Madsen and JC Romero 
all combined for 11, 11 and two-thirds innings pitched of no-run baseball. No runs allowed between the three of them in 11 and two-thirds innings pitched. Chase Utley, uh, perhaps the leader of this team, slashed 353, 522, 647 for an 1169 OPS in the NLCS. And Pat Burrell uh, was also spectacular, hit 333 with an 868 OPS, and they are on to the World Series. So now in the World Series, they are facing the Tampa Bay Rays, an expansion team that was only 10 years old that had just made it here for the first time. So, you know, the Rays are more happy to be here. The Phillies, they're here to win it. In the top of the first, Jason Wirth draws a one-out walk against Scott Kazmier, which then leads to Chase Utley. Utley rips one into right field at the track at the wall. It's a good start for the Phillies. Two-nothing here in the first. That'll shake off the rust. So Chase Utley with a big start for Philadelphia in their first World Series in 15 years. And the Phillies got another run in the fourth on a Carlos Ruiz ground out. And Hamels pitched seven innings of two-run ball. And Bradledge... And dating back to his last three attempts for the Houston Astros in 07, Bradledge has saved 49 consecutive games. The 0-2. Check swing, he went, one away. Good start to the bottom of the ninth inning for Brad Lidge. Two strikeouts to start the ninth. Another pitch on three and two. Crawford pops it up. Down the left field line in foul territory, and the Phillies take game one. Pedro Feliz backpedaling to squeeze it, and it's a 3-2 final. Did you recognize the uh, third base umpire? Who was it? Uh, I'll just I'll quote him with, Terry, Terry, Terry. Oh, Terry. is that dude? Yeah. Now, what's that guy's name again? Can you remind me? I, f I, for I forget the name. I just know him from the Terry He's call. He's just known for, for uh, that call. Classic. I uh, highly recommend the video, not safe for Beautiful work. video. I was at the game the day before that. That's pretty sick. <laughs> Anyways, the Phillies win that game 3-2. to two. They are up one nothing in the World Series. Game two was not as kind for them, however. Brett Myers gave up three runs in the first two innings, uh, while James Shields, Dan Wheeler, and David Price held down the court for Tampa Bay. The Rays won game two, four to two, one one series tie. So now in game three, it's back to Philadelphia, and 45-year-old Jamie Moyer gets the start for the Phillies. We've talked a lot already about the weather as you look at the statistics during the regular season. Very good numbers. Take the age out of the equation, and you're looking at a guy who was one of the National League's best starting pitchers, period. He almost gave the Phillies 200 innings. The 2-2. Changeup gets long, Gore. Here's a 2-1. And he lifts one into right center field. Back 
is Victorino, who says he's got it. He does. Tagging and scoring is Crawford. The stolen base pays off, and this game is tied at one. The one-two pitch. Got Upton looking. Moyer fools him, changes up, gets his third strikeout. Who's crouched over at the plate and hits it hard, but right at Utley, and that will do it for the first four and a half. Moyer, 82. And he gets Iwamura for his fourth strikeout of the night. Got him looking two out. Wait the first pitch to Longoria. And he shoots one into left field. Back is Burrow at the wall to end the inning. How'd the park hold that one? It has to be the wind. The wind is blowing straight in from left. Second and third, nobody out. Gross hits it to first. Good pick by Howard. The race to the bag for the out. Crawford scores, and it's a 4-2 game. He'll hand off and then receive a hand. How about that? 45 years of age, getting it done on the biggest stage possible for Jamie Moyer. Yeah, quite a... You know, something, something you definitely do not, do not see a lot. Ever. Yeah. Um, so the race actually went on to tie the game in the eighth after Moyer departed. And in the bottom of the ninth, with the game tied, the Phillies loaded up the bases without hitting the ball on a hit-by-pitch and two walks with no outs for Chuch Ruiz. Strikeout pitch. Chop to third. Play at the plate. Phillies take game three. So that's it. The Phillies win game three. They're up two to one in the series. So now game four, the Phillies are winning five, two in the fifth and pitcher Joe Blanton, who they got at the trade deadline came up trying to do whatever he could to help his team out. The two one is hit well in the left. How about Blanton going deep? to 1974 Kenny Holtzman the last pitcher to hit a home run Blanton is now the 15th Joe Blanton's first at bat as a Philly he had a hit and his last at bat as a Philly he's had a hit so Joe Blanton with a home run a little bit unexpected but cool to see it on the last and you know although seeing him do that was cool this game make no mistake about it belonged to Ryan Howard Two on, one out. And Howard hits it in the air to left. This ball will carry out. 
Five to one, Philadelphia. Manuel telling us that if Ryan Howard gets hot, he can lift this team on those broad shoulders and carry them to a world championship. A home run last night and a standing O tonight. Breaking ball in the middle of the plate. Gone. Trevor Miller. And that ball is absolutely hammered. Ten to two. So Ryan Howard takes control of that game. The Phillies end up winning ten to two. And they are now one game away from a World Series championship. So now we go to game five. Shane Victorino hits a two-run single in the first to make it 2 nothing Phils. Good start. However, Evan Longoria hits a single in the fourth to make it 2-1. And Carlos Pena hits an RBI single in the sixth to tie it at two. Then it rained. A lot. And the rain delay caused the game to be postponed to, resume, to be resumed in two days. But it would pick up where it left off, so it's not like they're restarting uh, the game from scratch. So two days later, we pick it back up, a 2-2 two to two game in the sixth. And Jason Wirth hits an RBI single in the bottom of the sixth to make it 3-2 Philly. In the top of the seventh, Rocco Baldelli hits a game-tying home run to make it 4-4. So it's back and forth. And later in the inning, the Rays have the go-ahead run on second with two outs for Akinori Iwamura. Runner at second, two out, and Iwamura grounds one up the middle. Utley, good play, has no play at first, throws home, and out is the call to end the inning. Bartlett kept running as Utley hung on to the baseball instead of throwing to first. Looks to first, fakes to first, comes home. Alert play by Utley. Bartley out. Bartlett out at home, and the top of the seventh is over. Let's go back to that play that ended the top of the seventh inning. Ewan Murray got the hit, but Utley kept it on the infield and got the out at the plate. Utley faking toward first and then throwing home immediately, realizing Bartlett had grounded third. And look at the tag by Ruiz. J.C. Martin on the or J.C. Romero on the other hand was breaking toward first base. That's why he's almost in the way of the runner. Crazy good heads up play there from Chase Utley to prevent a run. Chris, you saw who that who that base runner was too, right? That was uh, the 17th runner up of the 2008 MVP vote. Jason That's Bartlett. right, Jason Bartlett, one of our favorite players ever. So the game remains tied after that play. And in the bottom of the seventh, Pat Burrell hits a leadoff double. Victorino hits a ground out. No one, no one moves. But then Pedro Feliz comes up looking to take back the lead. 
Pitcher spot. Infield in. And a ground ball up the middle. Base hit. Pedro Feliz delivers. 4-3 Philadelphia. So the Phillies go up in game five. And J.C. Romero pitches a 1-2-3 eighth. And then in the ninth, who else to finish it off but Brad Lynch? Fans on their feet. Rally towels are being waved. Brad Lidge stretches. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. Brad Lidge does it again and stays perfect for the 2008 season. 48 for 48 in save opportunities and let the city celebrate. Don't let the 48-hour wait diminish the euphoria of this moment and the celebration. And it has been 28 years since the Phillies have enjoyed a world championship, 25 years in this city that a team has enjoyed a world championship and the fans are ready to celebrate. What a night. Bills winning 4-3. As Brad Lidge gets the job done once again. And there it is. For the first time in 28 years, the Philadelphia Phillies are World Series champions. And Brad Lidge with the perfect season. 48 for 48. Yeah, uh, remarkable. And, you know, especially from a team who was lacking back end of uh, – lacking a, a strong pitcher in the back end of the bullpen, you take a chance on Brad Lidge, who's coming off some off years. You know, he was an all-star with Houston, and then he, yeah. he had some bad – he had some bad years after giving up that Pujols home run in, in 05. And he needed a change in environment. Yeah, needed to change the scenery, and he comes up big, 48 for 48, gets the last strike of the, of the World Series for you. Just a, right. a great story. So Cole Hamels wins World Series MVP, another MVP for him, 1-0 with a 2.77 ERA, eight strikeouts, 13 innings pitch. Throughout the postseason, Hamels went 4-0 with a 1-8 ERA, a 190, 244, 2.81, 5.25 slash line against – Brad Lidge throughout the postseason, nine and a third innings pitched, one earned run, 13 Ks, a 171, 237, 229, 465 slash line against, and seven saves. Of the 11 wins that they have, Brad Lidge had saves in seven of them. Jason Wirth in the World Series, probably could have won World Series MVP if it wasn't for Hamels, 444, 583, 778, 1361 slash line. Carlos Ruiz, 375, 500, 688, 1188. Ryan Howard, 286, 375, 762, 1137 with three home runs. Chris, this is a team, to put their legacy quite simply, they came, they saw, and they conquered. They knew the task that was ahead of them. They knew that they had everything to prove this year. They had to prove that their 2007, you know, remarkable run to the playoffs 
wasn't a fluke. They proved that they they needed to prove that they were here to stay, and they did all that perfectly. Yeah, and uh, luckily they were able to, because I mean, this was a team. This was the first team of what potentially could have been a dynasty in in Philadelphia. They mm-hmm. go back to the World Series in, in two thousand nine, um, and I think, I think this season kind of set the tone for that. I mean, they won a hundred games in. 2011 mm-hmm. and this team kind of um you know 2007 probably set the tone but this team definitely um legitimized baseball in philadelphia in the late right. 2000s. Yeah, i mean this team never quit they never said die like a lot of championship teams you know i mean they had so many comebacks like that in the regular season they were down in the eighth inning of game four uh of the of the nlcs plenty of other games as well they got big contributions all around from pretty much everybody. I mean, I think every every player in the starting starting lineup was mentioned at least once in like a highlight, whether it was in the regular season or the postseason. So I mean, you know, everyone did their part. The pitching, Cole Hamels emerged at age 24 to be a legitimate ace. Of course, Brad Lidge, his comeback story. You know, Brett Myers was a great story that we talked about getting sent down and figuring it out afterwards. Jamie Moyer at age 45. Chase Udley uh, read. Uh, reassuring that he is the best second baseman in baseball. You could probably argue he's the best hitting second baseman ever since Joe Morgan. Yeah, you could, you could make the argument there. I mean, I think the one person in his way would be Robinson Cano. Yeah. Robinson Cano. And, you know, he was, he was a better, you know, pure hitter just from the batter's box than like Ryan Sandberg and and Roberto Alomar, you know, Roberto Alomar, might have the edge in terms of total offensive production because of what he did on the base paths. But yeah, mm-hmm. Chase Utley as a as a as a as a hitter just yeah. from the batter's box, probably the best. Yeah, since Joe Morgan, that would that yeah. would make sense. Chase Utley should be a Hall of Famer. When I will, I mean, obviously, I don't have a vote. I'm not in the BBWAA, but when he appears on that ballot, I will I will be circling his name. Yeah, and uh, you know, the defensive metrics like him, and you know, mm-hmm. I don't think he's defensive ability uh gets talked about enough but yeah and the 2008 Phillies they were a result of um a very good um gen- uh, a very good executive uh man- good, very good ma- yeah. management from the front office you know they built a very good core with mm-hmm. you know Jimmy Rollins Ryan Howard Chase Utley Cole Hamels I believe Gillick took over in 05 yeah, and the, and then they were able to get the uh, the guys in the offseason like Brad Lidge. So it was yeah. a, a good result of that, and that's probably why they were able to keep winning throughout the late 2000s. It, it wasn't just a one-and-done thing. And, I mean, also with Jimmy Rollins just coming out in spring training and being like, you know, obviously I know they didn't get the 100-win season, but I think, I think they're happy with what they got. And it, it was clear that this team wanted it more than anyone else, and they got it. Yeah, they came in. Yeah, I mean, they – they had a very bad taste in their mouths um, from the, from the previous year. Mm-hmm. And they knew that they, if, you know, they legitimized themselves in, in 2007 and then they really cemented themselves um, as, as that great team in 2008. And as a result, you, you win a world series. So that is going to do it for our Philadelphia Phillies of 2008 segment. Another great team to cover. Great story all around great players great management great ownership great everything and this is a very fun team to cover i'm really glad that they won it all 
So now so that leads into yeah. our favorite part of the episode. And uh, I guess a little program announcement is uh, we will be doing two more of the history shows before mm-hmm. the baseball season starts. And then uh, once the off season hits, like probably our second episode after the World Series, um, we'll get right back into the history. Which uh, is perfect because we're going to be, we're going to have 15 down and have 15 to go. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think that that's a good way to map out our off season because we do get, you know, the, the reason we're doing this now is probably because we're a little bored and mm-hmm. we're going to be bored during the off season, especially with, with just baseball, you know, we'll probably have, well, hopefully we'll have some other stuff keeping us busy. Hopefully we'll, yes. we won't be locked down forever, but, um, but yeah. And if you're unaware of what's happening, if this is your first episode, uh, because they're, um, you know, basically since mid-March, we knew there was not going to be baseball for a while. So we decided to um, pick 30 players and 30 teams to talk about. I picked 30 players. Daniel picked 30 teams. We randomly assigned them numbers through computer randomization. And then we each pick the other. We bit, I pick a team. I pick a number for the team we were going to be talking about for the next week. Yep. Daniel will pick a number for the player we are going to be talking about for the next week. You pick first. Um, that's how it's worked for the past 13 weeks. Get, get you uh, basically get the, the life and career of the player and the story of the team. Been very fun, very fun to do. Yes. And uh, you know, that that's uh, you know, it'll, it'll be bittersweet when it comes to a close in after uh, after 15 episodes but mm-hmm. people it's timeless so people will always be able to uh go back and check it out if they're if they're new to the podcast which which i like definitely it's not yep. just time-based so i am picking first this week mm-hmm. and uh and number one through 20 one through 20 so uh next week we are going to be talking about uh team number 15 Number 15. Okay. You know, this team didn't win the World Series, which is okay. You know, not every team on this list does. But one thing that you can't deny is they played the game the right way, and that is the 2005 Houston Astros. Yes. (laughs) Another Brad Lidge team. Another Brad Lidge team. Yeah, they they definitely, you know, they didn't shortcut anything there. No. No, they – they did they did a they were a respectable team i mean they had you know they had i mean we talked about the team that beat them in the world series too but uh now we're going on the opposite side of that of that clubhouse you got of course brad lidge closing it out like we mentioned you got craig biggio is on that team jeff bagwell is on that team two hall of famers i think lance berkman was on that team too if i'm not mistaken oh yeah 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 um and all jokes aside this was this was the 2019 Nationals before the 2019 Nationals. They yeah. started off terribly. Yeah, they did. And uh, they came back. They got the wild card spot and uh, went to the World Series, won the National exactly. League. And they got vengeance over the Cardinals from the previous year. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm actually very excited about that. About yeah. That so now it is my turn to pick. Yes. We're going to do player number six. Player number six. It's uh, it's appropriate that after a lack of pitchers, we get two pitchers in a row. There we go. There we go. This one, you know, Fergie Jenkins, he's a guy who – Fergie Jenkins was a guy who, uh, you know, he was kind of under the radar. He kind of uh, – he was just more of a grinder, a 
a guy who was able to accumulate a lot of innings and just kind of go under the radar. Not a lot of, didn't get any postseason flair. Sandy, or, oh, I just gave it away. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax. Nice. <laughs> this guy, Sandy Koufax, uh, he was kind of the opposite of that. He didn't post a lot of innings, but he was dominant for his day. And uh, <laughs> I can't believe I totally gave it away. But, uh, yeah. That was anticlimactic. Yeah, anticlimactic. But, <laughs> but yeah, this guy, yeah, he uh, he was kind of the opposite. He, he didn't accumulate a lot of innings, but he was absolutely dominant with strikeouts. He was probably the original, like, strikeout master. He was, like, yeah. the first guy to get to 10 strikeouts for nine. And he was also an unbelievable player postseason performer as well also, so people forget I'm, he was out of the game by age 30 yeah yeah and you know off. he pitched until his arm fell off pretty much yeah pretty what, much what, what more can you ask from a guy yep yep so that is going to be episode uh well that will ne- next week episode 44 will be sandy koufax and the 2005 astros i hope mm-hmm. you enjoyed episode 43 where we were talking about the uh, uh, Fergie Jenkins and the 2008 Phillies. If you want to, if you are uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you want to watch videos with us, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is STBNL with Christiana and Daniel Curran. Also, shout out to Baseball Reference, Fangraphs, and MLB on YouTube. This production would not be possible without those three. Yeah, and shout out, shout out to Society of American Baseball Research. Yes. Helped us out. Uh, the athletic um i I already shouted out joe piznanski yeah shout out to all that um if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta uh follow daniel on twitter at daniel underscore curran and -hmm. follow our instagram at stbnl podcast Uh, definitely gonna have some good some good stuff on the gram for you um throughout throughout this baseball season when it happens on july 24th We hope you enjoyed the Fergie Jenkins and 2008 Phillies episode, and we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we are talking about Sandy Koufax, and on Friday when we are talking about the 2005 Houston Astros. See you then.